This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 365. Holy crap, just realized we now have a MuggleCast for every day of the year. Wow. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And today is December 31st of whatever year you are (laughs) listening to this in. Congrats. You've made it one year, a new MuggleCast episode for every day of the year. Although, unless it's a leap year, right? Oh, still, we're still not, we're still not there. We're crap. Still, you know what? In two episodes, no, we time, are. I mean, in, yeah. we have all these other episodes, by the way, that you That's can true. listen to. It's not just three hundred and sixty-five. I mean, there are some special episodes in there too. So. I we're, guess that's right. Covered. There's there's mini muggle casts and um leaky mugs, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bonus muggle casts if you want to include those. Oh, from that's Patreon. true. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've we've hit a milestone. Love it. So uh I'm Andrew, that's Eric, that's Micah, and we're joined by a guest this week, one of our Slug Club members, Molly. Hello, Molly. Hi, how you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to have you. You you did a lot of research and preparation for today's episode, which we greatly appreciate. I did. Uh, <laughs> you you read Cursed Child just for us. Is that what you said? Yeah. I when you emailed me, I was like, and I read the the planning doc. I was like, oh crap, I haven't read Cursed Child. I should probably go do that. Oh, my, you haven't? You hadn't at all? No. Oh, we're so sorry. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're gonna like what she has to say, Eric. <laughs> oh, okay. Did she like it? Um, I think I confirmed why I was reluctant to read it, but I would still like to see it on Broadway. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We are we are going to be positive about the cursed child for the most part today because this is the final episode before Micah and Eric see the cursed child. That's right. The three of us are seeing it on Broadway in just a couple of days now, and we're going to do kind of a predictions sort of discussion where we predict what they think will be their favorite parts of it and. We have some fun questions to ask there. Yeah. And then we'll kind of revisit all that after after we see it. Yeah. So we have some fun plans there. First, um, let's get your fandom ID, Molly. When did you first discover the Harry Potter series? Um, I think I was like six. Uh, it's really funny looking back. I was at like a family member's house that they're like very uh, conservative and I can't see them like letting their children watch Harry Potter. But it was on the TV and uh, I remember seeing it, pieces of it, and then came home and was like, Mom, Dad, like, I really want to read these books and watch this movie. And they went out and bought it. It was just up to Goblet of Fire at the time. And they uh, bought them yeah. for me. So. Okay. So the, t- so the movies got you into what year? You said it was when you were six. So yeah. how many years ago was that now? Uh, well, I'm 21. So I can't do okay. math this early in the morning. But a while ago. <laughs> that would be 15, 15 years ago. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to ask this next question differently. Um, we've been doing this for a while now, so we want to kind of like shake it up. In one breath, I want you to offer your favorite Harry Potter book, movie, your Hogwarts house, Ilvermorny house, and Patronus. So just all in one sentence, just spew it out. You're just trying to get us under an hour. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> favorite book, Prisoner of Azkaban. Favorite movie, Sorcerer's Stone, Hogwarts house, Gryffindor, Ilvermorny house, Wampus, Patronus, Sparrowhawk. Perfect. Sparrowhawk. Yeah, it's just a bird. Well, but like there's nothing else about it. It's your bird. Oh, well. It's your Mm. bird, right? Right. Sparrowhawk. So you've actually had a couple cool fan experiences too. Tell us about those. Yeah. So um, 
actually, I studied in Denmark last semester. Um, so listening to MuggleCast was like great. I got to hear some American voices every week. Um, but while I was there, I had the opportunity to go to London and I went to the studio tour, uh, which I never thought I was like going to be able to do so soon. And it was amazing, um, as everybody else agrees. But also, I, uh, I visited Edinburgh, Scotland, um, nice. which is where Joe wrote uh, the majority. Well, I think she wrote all of Philosopher's Stone there. But in particular, um, there's this cafe called the Elephant House Cafe. And that's where, like, she wrote a lot of um, Philosopher's Stone. So, like, they have, like, things on the wall. And, like, I went there. But what's really cool is um, if you look out the back window uh, where she would, like, sit and write, you have this view of a graveyard. And then in the distance is Edinburgh Castle, like, sitting on the hill. And if, like, you, if you, like, squint, you can, like, definitely see Hogwarts, like, sitting there. Um, <laughs> So I thought that was really cool. And actually in the graveyard of that church uh, outside that cafe is where she apparently got a lot of names for some of the characters. So like there's right. supposedly like a moody grave there. But I actually found the Tom Riddle and his son Tom Riddle's grave in that graveyard. <laughs> That's creepy as hell. This yeah, is a great but, story, though. I, I... Yeah, it was really cool. Wasn't there yeah. also, I forget the special that was done on jk rowling it has to be maybe even 10 years old at this point uh but there was a name specifically that was listed in a book that was in a church i believe that she said that she used for one of the biggest villains in the series she didn't specify whether it was a male or a female character but it supposedly was in that book and I don't know, just you telling that story, Molly, made me think of that. So I wonder if it's a, a church that's close by on those grounds. I just can't remember from the documentary, but that stood out to me. It could have well, been... Well, the biggest villain is Rita Skeeter. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think our poll results <laughs> confirm that uh, from last week. But uh, could it have been J.K. Rowling, A Year in the Life? Would that have been... It, that... May, it may have been, yeah. I think they follow her around... While she's finishing up Deathly Hallows, I think that's that's that. so cool. What was it kind of like? Did you feel any inspiration to write yourself when you were in that cafe? Um, not particularly because it was like the last day we were there, and I was really tired, and I was like ready to like get on the plane. <laughs> but um, uh -huh. I could definitely see how it would be like conducive to good writing. Yeah, J.K. Rowling should buy that place and then convert it back to a cafe because it's <laughs> since it's not anymore. That would be cool, I think. Oh no, it's still a cafe. Oh, was, I thought it was like a noodle shop or something. It's something. No. It was something else in between the time that she wrote there and what it is now. But oh, okay. Now yeah. it's okay. back to. Okay, and they, oh, maybe she did buy it. They they have <laughs> mugs that say the birthplace of Harry on them. Yeah, yeah. I got That's, like a pin while I was there. Cool. Yeah, cool, cool, very cool. All right, well, yeah. Welcome to the show. It's nice to have you here, and uh, feel free to jump in at any point during today's discussion. All right. Yeah. Well, in last week's episode, we had a discussion about who was the worst villain in the Harry Potter series. And we did a poll, besides Voldemort, and we did a poll. And far and away, with 71% of the votes, was Dolores Umbridge. Nice. Congratulations, <laughs> Micah. <laughs> we owe you a drink in New York. Uh, and second place was Lestrange with 20% of the vote. And then third place was Fudge with only 3% of the vote. 
Then the Dursleys got 2%. Dumbledore got 1%. <laughs> Skeeter got 1%. Fudge, or sorry, or Lockhart got 0%. Barty Crouch got 1%. So there you go. Wow. Some people argued Snape was the worst and Fenrir Greyback. Yeah, people were really adamant about Snape, like yeah. calling him evil. And I don't know. Well, that's a big debate in fandom still. That's true. It always, ha- always has been. So that was that was fun. Glad we did that last week. And now turning to this week's discussion, we want to have Micah and Eric and Molly predict the cursed child. <laughs> so, um, like I said, what's we're there to be predict? Seeing... I mean, yeah, you know... I'm, not, I'm not sure about this headline here. What's yeah. going to happen? Predict your reactions. Most... Predict your reactions, your feelings towards the cursed child after you see it. We're seeing it together in a couple of days. By the way, J.K. Rowling is now in New York, presumably for the premiere that's happening on uh, Sunday or Monday. She's actually here. I don't know if you guys yeah. knew that. I invited her over. Uh, oh, to... she's in your room right now. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> we won't go into more detail than that, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, cool. Tell her I said hi. Yeah, it was funny. When I saw the tweet yesterday uh, about her touring the uh, the Lyric Theater... I just thought it would be funny to to send something back. I didn't end up doing it, but just saying, hey, like, when are we grabbing a drink? Like, I need to know some information here. What's Aberforth's goat's name? You know, Andrew has questions I could probably get answers to. Eric, I'm sure you do. Molly, I could have, I should have done it because then I could have come to the show today and really just kind of gone through a whole list of things that, that yeah. she could have uh, answered for us. Yeah. If only you tweeted her, it definitely would have happened. I mean, she's probably, oh. I'm assuming she's going to be there for a couple of shows, right? Did she go, are they still doing previews? I don't know about a couple of shows. Yeah, they're still doing previews. Um, we don't know if she's seen it yet, but she said, I've just walked around the refurbished Lyric Theater for the first time and laugh cried quite a lot. It's so beautiful. I can't believe we're on Broadway. She's right. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to see this theater. It truly looks spectacular. Yeah, completely agree. So what we wanted to do is predict what you three feel now about The Cursed Child and then revisit these questions afterwards. And of course, we'll be talking a lot more about it once we see the five, five and a half hour show. All right. um, uh, what character are y'all most looking forward to and why? Who do you think is going to be like the standout, kind of blow you away performance wise? I, I don't know about the standout, but me personally, I'm going. I mean, we I, we've all read the script book. I know what to expect from dialogue, but from acting and and stage production, like the things that I'm most looking forward to seeing, character wise, Ginny is 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 high up there. I really want to see a believable, sort of competent Ginny, like. You know, Ginny kind of has gotten the 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 rough uh, go of things in in the film adaptation. There's not really enough time devoted to make her character pop as well as it does in the the books. So I I, I want there to be at, at least two good Ginny moments. You know, mm-hmm. where I just think that she's um, the character that I know and love from the books, and I think the 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 play might be able to do that. And um, also the Ron Hermione relationship. Like I really, I, I asked somebody a, a while ago, but I was reviewing that Wonderland article where J.K. Rowling threw a lot of uh, salt on the on the open gaping wound of um, Harry Hermione shippers and all that, and or Harry Ron or Hermione Ron shippers. And 
I want to see that since the cursed child came after that, you know, Hermione and Ron actually have a healthy, fulfilling relationship. So I hope that the play really illustrates that to make me more comfortable for believing that they're a good match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see working dad, Harry. I know we've (laughs) made a lot of fun of that uh, when we've done reviews of the cursed child script book, but Mm. just to see that change, right. Knowing the Harry that we know from the books, how we've created that character in our minds, seeing the portrayal by uh, Daniel Radcliffe throughout the films, but kind of seeing a little bit of an older Harry. A lot of these characters are older now, more mature, more adult. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of of the light that he was portrayed in, and, and you know, kind of like oh, I work at the ministry, I'm frustrated, long hours, go home, yell at my kid. Like, yeah. but <laughs> uh, interested to see how that will take shape. Yeah, in a similar vein, I'm when I do see it eventually, hopefully, uh, I I'm interested to see uh, Draco kind of in the same way because he is still the same Draco that we know, but also is like a very different character than what we've seen from him, like in the books. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see that as well as the uh, Harry McGonagall uh, dynamic that's present. Oh God, I forgot they have a. He says something very mean to her, doesn't he? Yeah, they have a, a they have a bit of a tiff. So, uh, I'm reading the comments here from people listening live. First of all, Amber says the bathroom there at the Lyric Theater made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's in there. Please don't tell me. I want to be surprised. Well, it's probably just the women's bathroom. They tend to favor. Um, I know at the Hancock Lounge, there's a special window with a portal and a view in Chicago. Yeah, um, I have a correction. She was referring to the Elephant House Cafe, not. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Oh. Yeah, that's that's because they. Um, I didn't actually go in there, but they have like pictures of it on the wall, and it's like covered in like people like writing things about Harry Potter. Oh, oh, oh they should do that at the Lyric Theater too. That's yeah. <laughs> And Nolan, who's also listening live on Patreon, he says, I was surprised by how good the Dumbledore was when I saw it in London. He was better than Gambin, in my opinion. Interesting. Low bar. Yeah, it was a very soft. I remember him being kind of soft spoken. It, it was a good. I like the relationship between him and older Harry in this play. When Harry consults his portrait? Yes. Yeah. Love it. Nope. Love it. Dumbledore comes back to life. Ugh. <laughs> I've been alive all this time. <laughs> I have Book to say, six I, was a sham. I I love your Dumbledore voice, <laughs> and I like talking in it. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> How about the what scene are you most looking forward to seeing? You've read the book script. What script? Well, yeah, script yeah. book. Yeah. Which which one stood out? Which one were you slash are you like? Oh, I can't wait to see that on stage. I'll go first. The uh the church scene, the battle scene in uh in Godric's Hollow, mm. I think. Uh, particularly I wanna see the transformation of, of Harry into Voldemort. Yeah. Andrew, I'm assuming that's something that actually plays out on stage. Yeah, I mean this is kind of the this is what's so cool about this show. There's there's magic seemingly magic happening on stage and you wonder frequently throughout both parts how did they do that there's some very cool stuff happening Mm. and along those lines the polyjuice potion scenes are very cool how about you eric 
definitely um honestly the the hotly contested trolley scene uh specifically for the reason that you mentioned um these things that don't seem like they should be possible on stage uh like time turning or the, the polyjuicing or uh stage magic you know the trolley which this this old unsuspecting woman turning into a um creature with long you know pincer like uh appendages like i'm i'm all in i want to see that be realized it is kind of just like a crazy scene when you're reading it and this was probably one of the only instances while reading the script book where i was like oh my god how are they going to do that because i i know that whatever i think they're going to do on stage with this play is going to be far surpassed by them actually doing it but that scene in particular i'm like no way no way is this a thing that happens on stage mm-hmm. so i'm really kind of excited to see the trolley witch transform into the monster from all of our nightmares yeah yeah i'm i would really like to see the uh the staircase scene just because i was Sigh. I was definitely getting the Scorbus vibes uh, while I was reading the script book, but also the stage directions are like kind of vague. Um, so I'd really like to see like how that scene's actually portrayed on stage. Yeah. I think I'm going to actually cry when I watch that scene this time. Okay. I'll I'm just so a- upset and oh. it's so beautiful and upsetting at the same time. I'll bring you Kleenex. After- because I'll never forget sitting there when I the first time I saw it and thinking like, oh my god, I think they may actually be gay by the time this show is over. <laughs> and then they weren't. Um, okay, so issued this prediction now. Will part one or part two be better? After you come out of both parts, what part are you going to proclaim was better? Two. Probably part two. I mean, I, I think it's that's hard. That sort of puts the play at a a little bit of a disadvantage. I, I don't actually remember Molly. Maybe you can help as far as what action sequences are in the first part. But um, yeah, I think it's the trolley scene, and that might be it. I don't remember. Well, some I, of the time turning happened in there with the yeah, yeah. the Triwizard Tournament. The first two a tasks, of, a lot of setup, and I think part two, if I'm remembering correctly, opens in the dark world. Right with Voldemort yes. Day, yeah. Yeah. So everything from like navigating that to seeing Ron and Hermione not married to each other to seeing, um, God Snape and and Dumbledore, and not to mention the climax of the play. I think part two will probably be the the more. It's just the the thrilling conclusion, you know, to everything that was set up in part one. Part one will be. In my mind's eye, characterization and plot to explain what whatever they're running with to to do in part two. But in part one, I am looking forward to Delphi. Nandrea, I have a question for you though. It, did you feel fulfilled by both parts? Yeah. Well, I came out of part one thinking the world is so screwed up that it's not much of a cliffhanger that all of this is going to get fixed because of course things weren't going to remain this way. So to me, I went into part two, like I was excited to see part two, but I was also thinking, well, this is all going to get reversed and things are going to be happily ever after. Like, I think we spoke about this when, after we read the script book, nothing really permanently changes by the end of cursed child. 
And I would have no. liked to have seen some things change other than like the relationship between Harry and Albus. Like what? Like what? Like like losing significant characters, maybe. Oh. Mm. We do hear about a couple characters that die, but they don't die during the show. Right. Um Yeah, or maybe like I don't I can't remember what happens to Delphi, but does Delphi die by the end of it or Molly? No, she's put in Azkaban, is that it? I don't remember. I read this in a whirlwind. Um <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to look it up. I was going to say, oh. I have it in front of me here. So somebody will answer in the chat. I'm sure. Well, too. well I'm, I'm curious too. Like, um, didn't you say they, they completely kind of changed, uh, not just all the merchandise that was available in the gift shop, but like, did they like throw an extra banner or two around the theater itself to transform the show to be a part two theater? Yeah. Yeah. So when we can, I, I'll be curious to see if they, if they do this mm-hmm. in between both parts, but the merchandise changed after once we got out, like there was Voldemort day stuff. And then when you go back into the theater for part two, there's like a Voldemort day banner hanging up in the middle of the stage. And, and there's other stuff too, but I don't want to tell you cause. Oh, okay. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. That's um, exciting. Like this is kind of that. That's yeah. the stuff that's going to be, I expect the theater to be just amazing. Like the best theater, the, the most intense Harry Potter experience theater that, that money can buy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I am really genuinely looking forward to our, our show. Delphi was placed in Azkaban and she's still alive. Like she should have been killed. Like stuff like that. Yeah. She, that's occurred. sort of a loose end. Mm-hmm. Well, they're leaving it open for part three. Delphi mm-hmm. returns. Oh boy. I still want to bring my father back to life. I gotta say, there's still so much of Cursed Child that happens off screen. Like, um, it's mentioned that the giants and other creatures are on the move or march. Like, Delphi was recruiting them mm-hmm. for for whatever plot she had or or putting in a good word for her father who hadn't been brought back yet. Like, those are scenes I would have loved to have seen to, that would speak to Delphi's character but it didn't happen in the play itself. Like there's stuff that is happening, but it's not, it's off screen. That's coming in the new book, Midnight Bird. (laughs) Cursed Child from Delphi's Perspective by by Stephanie Meyer. Oh gosh. And E.L. James. (laughs) (laughs) Forward by E.L. James. Yeah. Micah, you said part two as well, right? You're more looking forward to. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But I don't want to completely dismiss what part one has to offer. I think talking about the setup, we know that you need to do that, but it seems like a lot of the action is going to be happening in part two. And if you're an action person, then that's probably more so what you're looking forward to, but just kind of getting immersed back into the world, even though it's not written by JK Rowling, it's JK Rowling approved. I think that's going to be kind of cool for the first time in a long time to, you know, we had it with fantastic beasts, but, but to go back there and and to see what this all looks like on stage. And I know we've compared it in the past to going to the wizarding world, right? It's, it's an experience. You're not necessarily looking to downplay the plot and the story when you're going to see the actual performance, because you're there for that 
reason. You're not yeah. you're not necessarily there for the story, whether you like it or not. That's up to you. I think you're more there to immerse yourself back into the world and and to go someplace that I think a lot of us, all of us, really have have enjoyed going for some time. So that would be my support of part one, and and we'll see. Maybe my opinion will change uh, coming out of having seen both parts. I think that's a really good point, actually, and that you know maybe we'll find some some kinship with this. Like maybe it will really feel like we're back in the the wizarding world by seeing this show on on stage. Well, speaking of kinship, I think that's kind of a cool part of this experience as well, just being surrounded by fellow Harry Potter fans who are most likely seeing this for the first time. And mm-hmm. at, at least with when I saw it, everybody was kind of laughing and cheering and crying and shrieking <laughs> along with one another. So that made it a cool experience as well. Oh, was that this is going to be one of those movie theater audiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. Well, do you think though on this is opening day, right? Slash night for this show on on Wednesday ish. Yeah, there's they're doing that all star performance on Sunday or whatever. Whenever oh. J.K. Rowling's <laughs> all star, but I I would wonder though too what the audience makeup is going to be like for Wednesday, just knowing that it's kind of the official opening of the show. Do. You, you know, do you think you're, I mean, obviously you're going to have a lot of Potter fans that are going to be there, but I also wonder what the mix is going to be, whether you're talking about celebrities or other notable people that may be in attendance, will you get that same kind of reaction? What are yeah. some famous native New Yorkers that live there that are just like walking the street? Like it is, is Ashton Kutcher still there? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I actually, wait, I had like a friend who saw Cursed Child like a week ago and he was like, oh, Stephen Sondheim was like sitting in front of me. So like, oh my, yeah. So just like people like that will probably be there. I did get the guest list for the official opening night or not official, the premiere event, which Uh is Sunday, April 22nd. Glenn. I mean, I'm not naming all the names. I'll name the ones I recognize. Glenn Close, Chris Colfer, Darren Chris, Whoopi Goldberg, Dan Fogler. Fantastic. Nice. Uh, Gail King, Oprah's best friend, Chris Rock, David Hyde Pierce, Leave Schreiber, Emma Thompson, Jessica Williams, Allison Williams, Anna Winator, and more. Mm. See, they're just they're just cheating. They should have those guys should all be at Wednesday's show. It was the, it was <laughs> the Eric's first. Still really bummed. Yeah, I really that was dude. Wednesday was the first performance that you could buy when they came on. And I know that's why we got them. So this this event was not a twinkle in anyone's eye. I I would love to have met um, David Hyde Pierce. I think he's a cool guy. Maybe he'll uh, come back for uh, come back. Yeah. Loves it so much. No, Darren Chris and Chris Colfer will be elsewhere, but uh, David Hyde Pierce will keep coming back for it. There could be the opportunity for some of the cast from the actual Potter films to be there on Wednesday if that was the original opening. I mean, I'm sure the yeah. Phelps twins will show up at some point. <laughs> the people who had to buy their tickets through the the, the everyone else channels. Yeah, Dan and, Radcliffe uh, had to wait in line with like the rest of us. <laughs> it's the pre-approved fan. Dan Radcliffe is pissed. He doesn't get to see Darren Chris. <sighs> I bought tickets for opening night. Yeah, what well, the hell, mate? But it's the, I mean, Wednesday. Yeah, Sunday, fine. But Wednesday, that's the official sort of public opening to the show. So I was. Yeah, that's when the peons, when the serfs, when all of no, us. Uh, I mean. Peasants I, can I go. think you'll be pleasantly surprised by who's there, Eric. 
I, I thank you. I, I I'm, my prediction is he won't. Really, <laughs> he'll be disappointed. Really? Well, I, no, guys. As long I, the two celebrities that I want to see there that I need to see there for me to have a good night are you two. So, oh, you two. Yeah, I, I really love Bono no, and Ed. <laughs> the two Adam Clayton. Come on. Oh, us two. Andrew Sims and Mike That's Tannenbaum. If you guys very are nice with of you me, to say yeah. But now I'm hoping Bono's there. I well, yeah. All right, what else what else are you guys looking forward to? Eric, you you wrote the score? Yeah, nobody talks about this as often as they probably should, but everyone who does talk about it says it's truly immersive and amazing work done by Emojin Heap, the score for the Cursed Child. Am I wrong in thinking that it is on Spotify? You know, I'll do, I'll do my own research. Um, but uh, <laughs> next time, before putting it in the doc, um, somebody did tell me once that it was available on Spotify to listen to. But the the soundtrack that you you will only hear, you know, during the five hours of performance, um, is sort of mm. supposed to be extremely appropriate and fitting and immersive. I actually am seeing. So it's not official, but. It, I'm seeing stuff by Emojin Heap as part of a Harry Potter and the Cursed Child playlist by someone. Oh. Let's just play one of these and see. This is allegedly part of the... Do you not remember? No, I mean... Where are we? <laughs> this isn't. What the hell this is Albus and Scorbus' song. What the hell is going on? Did you make that, that was yourself, just, uh, Andrew? That's just emotion mm-hmm. deep. Yeah, I, I have no clue what this is, but okay. Anyway, um, um really, case I, I forget. It's not a music. It's not a musical, but there is a score to the play, right? Am I right? Yeah. And so, no, you're, okay. right. you're right. Yeah. So I'm very interested in. in it's ex- more like transitional music, though. It's not like yeah, like orchestral, like without right. Maybe just the, maybe the trolley scene has a couple of whiz bangs on the drum, right? <laughs> you know, just. And what are you looking forward to, Micah? Uh, the owl, of course. Stop. Oh, of course. You, if you don't buy an owl, <laughs> I'm never speaking to you again. Buy a damn owl in the merchandise store. I will. Have to. And we're going to take a picture of you with it. And then you're going to bring it into part two. And then you're going to throw it. That's what I was going to say. Well, first off, if it doesn't start off part one, I'm going to walk out of the theater. And protest. <laughs> and then the, uh, the second part. Yeah, I think that's right. I should get one during the break, and then as part two starts off on Voldy Day, throw the owl onto the stage, and I'll probably get escorted out of the theater. Yeah, I dare you. I dare I, you. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how good your throw is. We're in, like, I think, Roger or something, so you, you probably make it to the stage. Yeah. And I want you to yell, look out, there's an owl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just end up hitting somebody sitting in the actual orchestra pit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's always a risk when you sit in the orchestra pit that you get hit by something people are throwing on Broadway. There's no orchestra. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's not since it's not a musical. Oh, so the but oh, so the music that plays is just coming through the sound system? Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of uh, buying an owl, how much do you guys think you're going to spend on merchandise? Make your predictions now. I spent $100. I'll probably buy a couple other things. Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna buy one hundred dollar shirt that says Voldemort Day, <laughs> like a T-shirt, like nice. a like a, a children like a youth medium, and it's gonna cost a hundred bucks, I'm sure, but it'll say Voldemort Day. Well, how much does an owl cost? I don't know. 
Let's say twenty. Forty-four ninety-five. Is that legit? Forty-four ninety-five. No, I don't know. I'm, I, it could it's be. Probably it's less New than York. That. You never know. So yeah, it is New York. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe around fifty. It depends what they have. I, uh, Andrew, I know you checked out the store when you were in town a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll see what kind of merchandise they have. As you know, I had trouble in. Orlando. I think how many stores did we go to to try oh to find something? Oh my god. Mike and I went to like 30 stores. He could not pick something to buy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Well, I gotta, I ran gotta, out of patience by the end. You got to feel something. You got to oh, something's going to speak to you. Buy something and move on. Yeah, I would also definitely suggest like I'm assuming it's like other Broadway shows where if you buy a beverage, um they give you like a cup um that you get to like take home and it says like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on it. Oh, I um, just experienced that recently. Yeah, so I would definitely get one of those. That's probably the best way to go because the drinks are stupid expensive, but at least you get a souvenir cup out of it. Yeah, I, I actually, mm-hmm. I actually had a funny experience with that when I was in New York a couple of weeks ago. I went to Springsteen on Broadway, and I didn't want to drink. I wanted to watch it sober for once, and. um as I was walking out, I said to my friend Richard, who I was with, I was like, okay, let's keep an eye out for somebody's cup. If somebody hopefully left a cup behind because I wanted that cup. <laughs> and sure enough, I was barely finishing the sentence when I looked to my right and I see a cup wedged in the seat <laughs> that I walked by. And I whoop, pulled it out real quick, poured out the rest of the beer that was in there, and then washed it once I got home. But I was very pleased because these damn drinks cost like 15 bucks on Broadway. Oh, yeah, it's I spent like 25 oh, on yeah. one drink. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Good luck uh, with uh, if you get two shots in one drink. Oh, my oh God. For, yeah. Double is. Yeah, I'll forget about it. Anyway. I would like to I would like to say right now. I am going to try and not my plan right now is I will not have a drink when seeing the show with you guys. Okay. And the reason I say that is because the first time I saw it, I was a little tipsy. Oh. The drinks were a little too strong. And it was a little hard for me to focus <laughs> because there's so much going on on stage. I'm like, wait, wait, slow down, slow down. <laughs> it's a, it's a five hour play and you're telling it to slow down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, how anyway. did the, the timing feel, though? five hours i know it's broken up but did you feel like it was pretty fast paced or did it drag i actually thought it was fast paced there was no part where i was like okay this needs to this is feeling long this needs to move on i was pleasantly surprised i definitely felt that way while reading it it felt very fast paced so i can definitely see that it would be like not too bad watching it on stage yeah so finally are are you guys I presume you're keeping an open mind going into it. We've been critical of the book, but now we're here. You're about to see the show. Are you going into it with an open mind? Do you think um, being there, seeing the show will affect your feelings on The Cursed Child on a whole? I think I think from day one, it's been very clear. You know, people have been people who like the show have been adamant. See it live. That's how it should be. You know, and that's true with with any dramatic production or so. It's this it's meant to be seen live. It's not just meant to be read because of the other elements. And I think I am willingly keeping an open mind. And I'm also interested in seeing these actors, these these top seven actors who have come off of thousands of performances or a thousand plus performances on the West End to come to Broadway, reprise their roles. They surely know their characters 
like the at, at least in terms of these versions of their characters off the back of their hand or like the back of their hand you know i really want to see them commune i really want to see these actors put on this performance and this show happening in this theater so i am genuinely excited for the production and that's that's what i'm going into it looking for micah you feeling good going into it yeah i think uh as i said earlier you have to look at it as an experience and and going to see the show i will not go in with any sort of negative thoughts based on the story i think you go there to see what exactly it's all about and uh i'll uh keep uh any thoughts i have about it until uh we record later on uh that night yeah so that is what our plan is by the way um we're seeing it all in one day on wednesday so that's going to be a fun marathon (laughs) and then after part two we're going to head back to our hotel room and we are going to record a reaction episode which will be a lot of fun we'll be coming just out of the show you know um, recording directly after seeing it and um We'll have a good time discussing it and uh, maybe unwinding with some drinks. And we're going to be streaming that live on Patreon. We're going to try to do video as well, since we're all going to be together. Mm-hmm. And then that will be released to the public uh, a couple days later. So yeah. look forward to that. That's going to be fun. And then also for patrons, we're going to be recording a video in between parts. So we'll get the uh, halftime report. <laughs> from Micah and Eric and myself. And I'm just looking forward to experiencing this in this gorgeous theater on Broadway with you guys and you two right as it opens. And uh, we also want to plug a couple of our Essential Cursed Child episodes. I think Eric went back and found these for us. Yeah, so um, the, the the episodes where we critically analyze, and again, I, I, our upcoming episode, when we've come off seeing the play, will probably be a lot more positive than these episodes were. Um, but uh, honestly, the, the, the episodes where Andrew first saw the Cursed Child and the plot details came to light because people around the world were seeing it. Um, we actually did two episodes, but I neglected to mention the first one. But 294 and 295 of MuggleCast were our first sort of reactions. Uh, we, we didn't review the the book itself, but uh, because it, it wasn't out yet because the previews had just aired. Um, and particularly episode 295, hashtag Wormtaily, is Andrew having seen the show, trying to keep a straight face, Mike and I reading spoilers on like Tumblr and stuff. <laughs> uh, a great way to experience the eighth story. <laughs> about what, you know, the plot recap, but every single one of them was true as it turns out. Um, you know, and just kind of reacting to what we thought. And then uh, a couple episodes later, episodes 298 and 299 of MuggleCast are the uh, Cursed Child script book review for part one and part two and that's where we've all read we're all on equal footing we've we've all read the the story and we talk about how we feel about the story so those were just the essentials if anyone's looking those are the numbers 295 for worm Tally, 298 to 299 on the the script review and like i said i think it's it's been a journey and i think that we are all positive and looking forward to seeing the actual show and especially together it's going to be exciting but if you do want some more of our you know, literary criticism for whatever that's worth. Um, go check those old episodes out. Yeah. 
So we're also going to have a wider discussion on the post core book series world coming up. We're going to talk about based on what occurs in the original seven Harry Potter books, what would we have preferred to have seen in the eighth story? This isn't going to be a cursed child bashing segment. We're just going to answer based on what happens in the original seven books. Mm -hmm. What would we have liked to see have seen more of in an eighth story? So that's coming up. Uh, But first, it's time to tell you about this week's sponsor. They are Simple Contacts. Uh, They're a new sponsor for us, and ordering new ones for you just got a lot easier thanks to Simple Contacts. They are the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. Because instead of heading to the doctor every single year to renew your prescription for something you wear every day, you can just take a few minutes out of your day to do it on your own time and your own terms from the comfort of your couch. This is ridiculous, but there's a law in the U.S. that requires anyone who wears contacts to have a new prescription written every year in order to be able to buy lenses, even if your vision hasn't changed for 15 years and you have perfectly healthy eyes. That's nonsense. So this is very expensive, time-consuming, and people put it off, which can cause eye issues from overwearing old lenses. It's just a bad habit that most contact lens wearers are guilty of because they can't get to the doctor in time or can't afford a new prescription. This is where Simple Contacts comes in. So when you need to renew your prescription, take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's then reviewed by a licensed doctor, and then you'll receive a renewed prescription, and you'll be able to reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. And yes, Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. And by the way, if you have an unexpired prescription that's no problem either just upload a photo or your doctor's info and order your lenses and just one thing keep in mind this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam because they don't examine eye health or write completely new prescriptions this is for streamlining the hassle around renewing your prescription and reordering your brands and you can trust them simple contacts has been rated five stars over three thousand times on the app store check it out see for yourself people love this service And uh, you can even text the support team if you ever have any problems and always get to speak with a person, not a robot. So to save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash mugglecast or enter the code mugglecast at checkout. Again, simplecontacts.com and get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash mugglecast or just enter code mugglecast at checkout. All right. Cool. Let's look with a fresh pair of eyes on <laughs> an eighth story we would have liked to have seen. Yeah. Eric, you came up with this idea. Let's start with you. Yeah. So uh, basically, I think because the, the Cursed Child goes in one direction um, about, you know, how Harry fares as a parent and all of that other stuff. But it does, t- you know, have the the uh downside of being set 19 years later right it's it, it opens with the epilogue scene if i'm remembering correctly um when harry's children are grown and going to school and i'd actually like to see from an eighth story if they if if canon were to be continued i'm kind of more of a right afterwards aftermath battle of hogwarts kind of guy so what little we know from jk rowling uh states that uh, hermione 
actually did go back and complete a seventh year of Hogwarts because she never, um, you know, obviously they were gone for the regular seventh year and the Hogwarts curriculum was actually all different with Death Eaters running the school. So I would actually want to see a book that is, or a story that is set in the year following the Battle of Hogwarts, or, you know, maybe, maybe term starts on September 15th or something. They need a little bit more time to clean up all the, the, the bricks and the dead bodies from Hogwarts. But I really want to see a year where Hogwarts is preparing. People are coming to terms with, you know, the aftermath of the war and the, the insight, the, the idea is that this would be from Hermione's perspective. So you'd actually see some of the classes that seventh year wizards are taking. We've talked before about how, you know, there is no wizard college that we know of and it's unclear just like how advanced magic really is supposed to be in year seven. We we don't see it because the, the trio are all gone. But I want to see, you know, a year that would kind of fill that that void and scratch that itch for what does seventh year magic look like as taught at Hogwarts? And, you know, certainly Hermione of them all is going to be studying hard and kind of doing some really amazing magic. So I kind of want to, I want to, I want to go back into the wizarding world. I want to see, yes, that, you know, the character moments, the natural aftermath, Harry and, and Ginny getting together, all, all this stuff that's going to happen, but also through the lens of another year at Hogwarts. That's a great idea. And I can, I can already see it. Harry, Ron, I want to go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> Hermione, why do you want to do that? I'm happy to be out of Hogwarts. <laughs> I just need to go complete my curriculum. Yeah, exactly. That's so Hermione. Yeah. So and that's that's what I want out of an eighth story. How about you, Molly? What would your dream eighth story be? So when I saw this on the dock, I, w- I had like a lot of thoughts. Because um, I feel like there's a lot of things I'd like to see. But I think... I would really like to see something um, from Neville's perspective, like maybe not directly after the Battle of Hogwarts, but kind of once he becomes like, we don't know when he becomes a professor. um, And we've always been talking about like, what is it? What's the life of a Hogwarts professor like? Um, So I thought it'd be really cool if we could see like Neville's kind of like stories you know there could be cool things going on or some mystery or adventure but like from neville's perspective as a hogwarts professor his character is a lot different um in deathly hollows than what we had seen previously and we don't really see him that much so like he's definitely changed um but also like he's kind of this like famed hero now from the battle of hogwarts like he killed nagini um so i feel like neville probably wouldn't I don't know. He'd probably be like uncomfortable with that. Um, like all these students are be like, Oh, like you were this hero at the battle of Hogwarts. Um, but definitely just like seeing, you know, what life is like as a Hogwarts professor from, from Neville's point of view. Yeah. That's amazing. How about you, Micah? So I kind of took, uh, the Hogwarts overall approach and I wanted to know what exactly happened to the school following the infamous battle. I don't feel like we get a whole lot of information. I'm sure things got rebuilt just based on what we see uh, in, you know, Cursed Child, let's say. But, you know, what if any new areas of the school got built? Like, did they just decide, okay, you know what, this got destroyed, so we don't even need to bother with it? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, did the heads of houses remain in place? Yeah. 
what about Filch? I'm assuming he would be somewhat integral to helping rebuild the school, but as we saw in, in part two of Deathly Hallows, I think maybe the only thing that he might be able to use is a sweeping broom. I'm going to say maybe he's just going to be like, I am too old for this shit and leave. <laughs> Go off with Mrs. Norris uh, and and yeah. Hagrid. Uh, what happened to him uh, yeah. on, on the grounds of the school? Did did McGonagall transition into a full-time role as, as headmistress? Yeah. It just, I would love and to have seen that. All about the different teachers that were at the school. I mean, Dumbledore kind of had a, a cast of characters that were there. And if you think about a lot of them that came through the school, in today's day and age, there probably would have been a little bit of a stigma attached to a lot of them. And I think that's in part why J.K. Rowling included them in the series, whether, you know, Lupin is probably, you know, the one that comes top of mind most. Um, but you know, just thinking through, did the ministry decide to come in and kind of crack down on how things were going at Hogwarts? Not at the level, obviously, of what Fudge and Umbridge did, but, mm. you know, just kind of thinking through what what happened to this school uh, after the battle. I think so much was, was focused on Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and then transitioning very quickly to the epilogue, um, you know, and, and putting the epilogue and Cursed Child aside, did the stigma of Slytherin remain? following mm-hmm. following the battle um so i think this could easily be viewed through the eyes of of a student that we know or, or a professor that we know but I, I feel like we were left to just kind of be like okay school will be rebuilt everything will go back to being semi-normal uh, but it yeah who knows and and maybe some of these answers exist in in part on pottermore but these were just some things that came to mind I love the idea of new rooms or new sections being built at the castle. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know, time for a remodel. Yeah, you, do, you can create like the... <laughs> we lost half the castle. I think oh, it's yeah. time to rebuild it. <laughs> yeah. The the Dumbledore wing or, or I don't know. Oh, yeah. The snake oh, yeah. potions. I mean, look, every every college campus and, and probably even a lot of, uh, you know, high schools and they get they get renovated. They get built up uh absolutely additions onto them so i would name the library after dumbledore there you go albus dumbledore library i think it's really funny you talk about the like rebuilding of hogwarts because when i was thinking about this question i had in my mind like these like short vignettes of just like filch like put it like putting some bricks like mortaring some bricks back together and like just like short like things of Filch just not being able to use magic, but having to like help re-put the castle yeah. back together. He's actually like toothbrush, the... getting annoyed. He has to do everything. Yeah. Like Mrs. Norris, like knocks over his stuff. So he has to restart again. Like <laughs> just Filch bricklaying. <laughs> For me, I would have taken more of a ministry of magic angle based on what we know. Um, because Harry, Ron and Hermione all went to go work for the ministry of magic and Kingsley was the minister for magic. So I would have liked to have seen the adventures of the trio in the new Ministry of Magic um, with Harry and Ron working as Aurors. Um, I would have liked to see what what crime they were taking care of. I guess the only issue here would be that it wouldn't be as epic as the stuff you would see from Voldemort, but it'll almost be like a television series like they're taking care of little things every episode and it's fun to watch 
And then I also would have liked to have seen the specifics on the reforms that were made by Shacklebolt. Because yeah. we know he made a bunch of changes. But in light of Fudge and Scrimjar's poor leadership, what did he do to make sure that type of thing would never happen again? Yeah. For example, if a Voldemort-like situation came up again, how would he have handled it? What things were in place? Um, I know he also expunged much of the uh, the, the the Death Eaters from the Ministry. Um, you know, who took their place? What rules are in place now? Yeah, stuff like that. Because uh, this all kind of comes back as we were discussing recently when talking about Fudge. It all comes back to the Ministry mishandling this whole situation if they were on top of Voldemort a lot earlier all these things wouldn't have happened maybe yeah Yeah, everything from international relations to muggle relations and all that is probably handled a little bit differently with Kingsley at the helm yeah and if we went back into the Ministry of Magic maybe we actually would have gotten a good look at the Department of Mysteries am I right maybe justice for the Department of Mysteries (laughs) justice for the love room bring it back um, I think at the very least, the ministry now has a, a forearm check for uh, Death Eaters, <laughs> potential yeah, Death right? Eaters. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Yeah. So we got feedback from patrons as well. We asked this question over at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Stephanie said, more of the story between Deathly Hollow's ending and the start of the prologue. What were the trials like? Did Harry testify on Draco's behalf? What was it like for Hermione to restore her parents' memories? How awesome were Ginny's Hollyhead Harpies tryouts? So much more. Centralize the story around Harry working up the nerve to ask Ginny to marry him, maybe? Ooh. Uh, Ashley says, I would never really want an eighth Harry Potter story. I think that's a big issue with film slash book slash TV shows in general. They drag it on until it becomes terrible and end it on a mediocre note. Let Let the story be the story. Everything has to come to an end, and the way Deathly Hallows ended was perfect for me. I don't need any more closure. Apart for the unbelievably far-fetched and abysmal plotline, one reason I don't accept the Cursed Child as canon is because for me, the story was over. However, I would be very interested in a book with the same universe, like Fantastic Beasts, but not as a continuation of the Harry Potter story. The Marauders has always interested me, as well as the Founders era. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that's a good point. Like, We would never be fully satisfied. <laughs> No matter what was released. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, mm-hmm. Laurie has an interesting idea. She says, I think while most people would say something like a story from the Founders era or the Marauders era, it would have been interesting to expand on some side characters such as Dean, who we know Joe had further plans for, Seamus, Luna, Cho, etc. Maybe in the form of some short stories that took place during Harry's seven years. I think it would also be cool to get a look at what Neville's Dumbledore army was getting up to during Deathly Hallows in more detail. I think it would be safer to expand within the current era to prevent outrageous retcons or changes to canon like the Crystal. Yeah, like a kind of an eighth story, but it's a story within a story. It's what other characters were doing during. I, I, I really do eat that stuff up. Like, and I've read, did they ever actually release Midnight Sun, uh, Andrew? No, no. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was. Interestingly, she started working on it again, and then E.L. James announced Grey. That's like the Midnight Sun of the Fifty Shades books. And yeah. then Stephanie Meyer got frustrated and gave up again. But I she still can't. says one day she'll publish it. It's crazy, but I, I, I love it. You know, I really actually do 
eat up the same story, but from another character's perspective type stuff. So um, I'm here for Laurie's idea. Micah, you should be verified now. Um, okay. We actually got a lot of comments from people saying that uh, I don't necessarily want an eighth story. And yeah, that's, that is completely fair. I think ending it on all was well was a good note to stop things on. Do you guys think that people don't want an eight story now that we do have an eight story because of a lot of people's like reactions to the cursed child? Yeah, that's a good point. There's one particular comment by Courtney B who says, I would like the next story to be a complete retraction of cursed child, Harry Potter and the really bad dream. And he's only really just woken up the day after the battle of Hogwarts. And we can walk with him, Ron and Hermione and all our favorite characters for the next 19 years. I mean, like I said earlier in this episode, by the end of part two, they do kind of retract everything that happens in The Cursed Child. Well, except <laughs> for the fact that Harry's normal. a bad dad. Like, that's still mostly true, right? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I, don't, I know some people are don't like that, but I, I was okay with it. Yeah. You, being a parent is hard, from what I hear. That's you learn fair. as you go along. So, you know, he, he, he tripped up. He screwed up. It's just another opportunity to show how Harry's not good at something, and I'm I'm over it personally. But I but I I I like this. A couple more comments. Um, Ryan N actually speaks to uh, Harry's character. Says I would like to have seen Harry dealing with a sense of aimlessness and boredom in his life after his defeat of Voldemort at seventeen. Like, what do you do with all that time? Maybe he develops a drinking problem. Lay off the fireball, Harry. You've got kids now, so. Yeah, kind of like the the 19 years later is um, there's a lot that could happen in those 19 years. And I think a lot of people are kind of pointing that out with their answers. Um, Rebecca R says, I would have loved to have seen what Teddy's childhood was like. And if it paralleled any to Harry's with them both having been orphaned as babies. Obviously, I think Teddy probably fared better having been surrounded by more loving people and not having to deal with the uprising of an evil lunatic. But I still think it would be interesting to get more story on his journey. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, who's been submitting feedback over there. We've been reading them all. And fellow patrons, we encourage you to read everybody's feedback. It's a fun community. We have at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Today's show is also brought to you by Away. Away creates special objects that are designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you travel today. Now, Away has asked thousands of people how they pack, why they travel, and what bugs them the most about their luggage. Then, they designed a bag that solved a few old problems, like sticky wheels. You know, I always had that problem when I'm trying to drag my suitcase through the airport and it keeps hitting into the back of my leg. (laughs) And a few new ones, too, like dead cell phones, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Away uses high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling it directly to you. Now, listeners can choose from a variety of colors and four sizes. You have the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large if you're taking a long vacation. Now, these suitcases, they're unrivaled in strength and impact-resistant. The interior features a patent-pending compression system, which is helpful for people who overpack. Plus, you get a TSA-approved combination lock for security purposes. Don't want people just randomly going through your luggage. 
and a single charge of the Away Carry-On will charge your phone five times. So you can actually charge your phone through this. This is revolutionary to me. And uh, Andrew, I know you yourself um, have one of these and and have had a really great experience. I just got mine, so I still need the opportunity to be able to go and test it out. I have some trips coming up in May, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I was glad they're sponsoring us. I love my Away suitcase. First of all, they're beautiful. And they're very light and yet durable. And the four wheels on them make them really easy to roll. And that built-in battery for charging USB devices. That's what I love most about it. That's what sold me on it. It's so nice to have a battery charged within your suitcase. And there's this little flap on the top of the suitcase that you just pop open. And then you can plug in your iPhone or Android or any other USB device. And then you're charging right there. It's so easy. And it's so nice knowing you have backup battery power especially in an airport where, you know, you don't know if your flight's going to be delayed or if you're traveling and get stuck in a in an Uber. Mm. Um, you got your suitcase right there. You can still charge wherever you are. That's what I'm, I'm a geek. So having that <laughs> built into my suitcase was super cool. Yeah, I'm loving my my carry on from away. And and I, of course, for, forgot to mention there's a removable laundry bag in there, too. So they've literally oh, thought yeah. of everything. Uh-huh. And they have straps in there so you can like pack down like your clothes so you can make even more fit than what normally mm. would. I just I just love it. Yeah. And and just a few other benefits. There's a lifetime warranty, so if anything ends up breaking, they'll fix it and replace it. There's a 100-day trial, so if for some reason you don't like it, um you're able to return it, no questions asked. Free shipping in the lower 48 states. And these carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. For listeners of the show, um, $20 off a suitcase. All you have to do is visit awaytravel.com slash mugglecast and use promo code mugglecast. And that's it. So visit awaytravel.com slash mugglecast and use promo code mugglecast to get $20 off an away carry-on suitcase. Amazing. I highly recommend them. Yeah, I know a lot of people who listen to the show, they they travel for work, they travel for personal reasons. Uh maybe they're going to a Harry Potter convention, they're coming to see Cursed Child in New York from out of town. <laughs> this is very simple, yeah. very easy. Um I've been very very impressed and I'm looking forward uh to using it um in the coming weeks. That honestly sounds like amazing. Like I just spent the last like 4 months traveling and I would have loved to have that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a little piece of muggle mail here, and then we'll get to quit it. Quiz itch, excuse me. This is yeah. from Jennifer in St. George on Twitter. Uh, we were debating how to pronounce crab apple. Cra- sorry, crap apple. No, uh, oh, crab apple. That was way typoed. <laughs> you wrote crap apple. <laughs> I really did, not intentionally. It is pronounced crab apple because crab is derived from the Swedish word crab, crabba, which means fruit of the wild apple tree Hmm. so there you go crab apple yeah the weasleys have a crab apple tree beautiful Um, perfect thank you to everyone who wrote in about that it's time for quizich last week's question what is professor quirrell's first name and the answer to that question is quirinus or quirinus it's q-u-i-r-i-n-u-s Quirinus quirl. Um it's and so this weird. is Yeah. It's not actually in the seventh Harry or seven Harry Potter books either. Um, my understanding is that it first appeared on one of the original famous witches and wizards cards. 
um, that was done for, I think either, gosh, uh, magazines or so- something, something official where it's like it's canon because, and J.K. Rowling actually did write the little bios for all the different wizards on there and, and that sort of thing. Um, I was, but that's I was hoping thing. for Bob. Bob. Bob Quirrell. Bob Quirrell. I think they called him Bob for short or, or Q or Quinn. Probably or, Q. Yeah, but it is another one of those famous J.K. Rowling alliterative names um, like Helga Hufflepuff, Godric of Nor, Peter Pettigrew. You know, well, if he mm. was Q, then he would have to be in James Bond. Q, quite, <laughs> Q, particularly you have a license to kill. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, congratulations to all the people who sent in the correct answer, um, which I'm going to read a list of their names: Hannah, Amy H, Kevin E, Jennifer St. George, Brian D, at Mama Ravenclaw, Angelica, Ann Slater, Scribbler One. John Tubbs, Mark Opa, Enceladus, Sean Brady, Jess Hardy, Megan, Ryan Nolan, Mandy, Aiden, Marky Monster, Richard C, Milk underscore the underscore goats, Tommy B, Andrea F, Pranvi, Mr. Glass, Casper, Jitter B, Mary, Erica, Sham, and Chris. Yeah, as you can tell, we got a lot of responses this week. I don't know is what it, it was with this. Is week. Did an we really encourage people? Everybody knew this. I don't know if I used yeah. particularly strong language to get everybody to enter but um, answer it enter now um but yeah lots of lots of people got the correct answer so i guess many people know this um this week uh this week's question i'm going for another like lesser no it only appears in the books once that i know um the question is where in britain is the railview hotel located probably next to a train yeah probably next to the railview stop on the on the metro <laughs> But um, that's the question, and and please uh, submit your answer. Here's how you play: you must at reply MuggleCast, and you must give us the answer to Quizich and say the answer to this week's Quizich is blank. And also, um, I get I get messages. People are like, "How do we see what other people are saying?" Just do the same thing. Just do a Twitter search for MuggleCast and whatever the correct answer is, and you can see everybody's response. If you're, I don't know, want to be among the community of all the people who are. Winning Quizich together. This week, though, you would probably just have to search Twitter for Quinnerus. Have you pronounced that name? Queerness. Queerness. Yeah. Mm. Because I guarantee MuggleCast listeners are the only ones talking about Queerness Queerness on Twitter this week. Yeah, it's nice hearing from everybody. So thanks for reaching out. Mm -hmm. And by the way, thank you to Tasha. I received uh, the Bruce Springsteen calendar. I'm now deciding where to hang it in my home. So thank you. I couldn't find you on Twitter or Facebook. So shout out here. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, you can call us 1-920-3-MUGGLE. That's 920-368-4453. Leave a voicemail. We'll return to voicemails in the weeks ahead as we enter year two of our daily Harry Potter podcast. Uh, We got our P.O. box at Four oh well now we have three hundred sixty five oh, episodes one for each you. day of the year yeah wow uh, surprise Micah we're that's what you get for not having a charged phone <laughs> you didn't know this we're going weekly <laughs> going daily, daily. <laughs> that's what I meant four oh four four North Lincoln Avenue box one four four Chicago IL six oh six one eight is our PO box it if is. you want to just reach out to us the old fashioned millennial way we have a feedback form on the website MuggleCast.com. Uh, by the way, you might want to keep an eye on our Twitter this week and our Facebook because I'm sure we'll post some updates from our trip to the Cursed Child. Yeah. If you want to see any photos from that, twitter.com slash mugglecast and facebook.com 
slash MuggleCast patrons. Stay tuned for that live stream in the middle of the week. It's going to be Wednesday night. Probably pretty late. Probably 11 Eastern. Maybe yeah. a little later. Probably a little later. Yep. Uh, but we will stay up and we will not stop until we have shared every piece of feedback we can about seeing the cursed child, our experience running into Bono and the Edge, and Dan Radcliffe <laughs> at the Wednesday night quote unquote opening, not opening of the cursed child. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one other thing to look forward to, uh, as I've seen, uh, it's been released in some parts of the world. That's Hogwarts Mystery. Oh, yeah. That's coming out, I think, the day we're at the show. Right? Yeah, the day we're at the it, show. It, Hogwarts it is. Mystery. But based on what um, people have posted in the Facebook group, even though I know you guys don't think that I uh, look at that. You're but, in the Facebook group? I didn't even know you were in uh, there. Yeah, no. People have been I didn't even posting. know you are on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I don't, I don't even know how I got the link to uh, join the Google Hangout to do the show. But uh, yeah, oh. it's uh, people have have already uh, started to get it. I guess in different parts of uh, the world. So yeah, I think they're like soft launching it. So they're they're testing it with smaller audiences first before throwing it at America and England and Australia. Or no, Australia already servers. has it. Actually, yeah, Australia, yeah, Australia already has it. So uh, they're testing the servers, make sure they can handle the load. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter fans. All right, cool. Molly, thanks for joining us. Hope you had a good time today. I did. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Don't return your Cursed Child book. Keep it. See the play. Then decide what you're going to do with the script. Honestly, thank you for going through all the effort of reading that uh, just to be on this show. I hope that you know what you should do, Molly. You should bring the book with you. Try and get it signed, and then at least they'll have some value. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I, I kind of want to return it, but I'll, I'll Oh, gosh. It. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, she told us that before recording. I don't think we mentioned that. But we're, keep, we're having positive uh, positive attitude. Yeah. yeah. Good vibes. Good vibes no, going into. I'll keep it. It's a Harry Potter book. It can go on the right. shelf. Right. Um, yeah, it was nice having you on. You were a great co-host. And thanks for your support on Patreon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Boom. everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. Uh, Micah. And I'm Molly. We'll see you next time for 366. Bye. 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 Bye.